0: Um, and I'm joking. We're thankful to be in, in God's house this morning. We're thankful for the privilege that he gives us to become all that we are called to be. Amen. And, and it's a privilege for us to step into these things uh, and do that. But sometimes we we get lost in, in church ease, right? Just the, the the common vernacular, the things that we say, and and the things that Maybe, truthfully, we don't really understand, right? We talk about relationship with God. Do we really understand relationship with God? Do we really understand the the depth uh, of entering into um, a friendship, uh, a partnership, um, a fatherhood and sonhood uh, with the Almighty God? And I think sometimes... We lose sight of that, and so we're, we're in this series that we started last week called One With Him, and it's a series that beckons us to move beyond ourselves and to move beyond the things that we like, right, the things that make us feel good, right, and, and because that's a warning, that's a warning to us. The, the Bible tells us that the flesh seeks to what? please itself right so so we have when when things feel real good and when we're real happy about where we are in things and stuff and 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 emotions right a little signal should go off to us and be like whoa, whoa, whoa am i am i am i losing touch am i losing you know am i losing the depth of my spirituality Right? Because the flesh is going to keep pursuing those things. The flesh is going to keep pursuing that stuff. Right? Because that's what it does. So, as Christians, as, as those in relationship with a holy God, right? It is about us being one with Him, being devoted and being focused on the things of God rather than the things of this world. And when we are. God will move in power and glory and anointing over us, right? And, and we've said often in, in the last several weeks that if you want to crush something in your life, if you want to break the yoke of something that holds you and binds you, right, feel good isn't going to get you there, right? Emotions aren't going to get you there. You know, step-by-step practices aren't going to get you there. What's going to get you there is the anointing and the power of God moving in your life and over your life and making a difference. The Bible tells us that the only thing that can break a yoke, the only thing that can crush Satan's hold on our life is the power of God. Amen? And so for us to step into all that God has for us, it is important for us to be one with him. So how do we do that? How do we do that okay jake great opening but but we're right back to that cherties right we're right back into those common things that everyone says and everyone grasps and embraces but none of us understand it right so one with him how do we become one with god last week we talked to you about what who remembers nobody remembers nope man i gotta do better Forgiveness. Now everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's it, right? Forgiveness. Last week we talked about forgiveness, right? You can't become anything spiritual on your own. You cannot begin a spiritual walk no matter how good of a job you do cleaning yourself up, no matter how good of a job you do moving things and this and that and the other out of your life, The only thing that is going to bring forgiveness and the glory and the power of God in your life is the acceptance of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of your sins. It has to start there. It can only start there. It can't start anywhere else, right? It's why we have altar calls. It's why we do the things that we do in church. It's so that you are drawn by the Spirit of God, Amen. Worship should be setting that tone. Amen. That's causing you to see a holy God high and lifted up something that we are called to worship him in spirit and truth. And he says that when we worship him in spirit and truth, I'll be right there. He says, when we come to him in a manner that is seeking him and him only, he'll be right there. And so worship should set that tone for us. Worship should be that time and that moment when we're examining ourselves and we're saying, where do I hold God? Amen? Where do I hold him? Where does, where, where, where does he really matter to me? Am I lifting my hands? Am I crying tears? Am, am I moving myself into a place of where God is because he's holy? Not that I'm worthy, has nothing to do with your worthiness. It has everything to do with his holiness. And so worship should set the tone for us to move into a place where the word of God can then begin to work on our lives and mold our lives into the place where God is so that we can become one with him. Amen. And allow that word of God to work in us and move over us and empower us and embolden us against the things of this world and the things of Satan. Right? What happens when we get mad? Anybody ever get mad? Hmm? Jesus got mad. Jesus got mad, but he channeled his anger. He channeled his anger spiritually. Right? Right? He didn't get mad because somebody gave him a dirty look. He didn't get mad because somebody cut him off in traffic, right? And y'all sitting there saying, duh, Jay, they didn't have cars, right? But, but, but the reality and the point I'm making is Jesus didn't get mad at trivial stuff. Jesus got mad at spiritual things. Jesus got mad when people were, were robbing man of what God had intended man to have, Right? And this angered Jesus, this, this upset him. He, tore, he threw tables over and, and, and created a ruckus because people were being robbed of what God intended. Amen? And so today, if, if we're letting things and we're letting stuff and we're letting people and we're letting situations and we're letting fear and we're letting anxiety and we're letting conditions and we're letting circumstances rule us and control us and keep us from what God is wanting us to have, it is absolutely no different than a day when men stood in the temple and put people through tests and trials and situations that had nothing to do with what God intended for their life. Amen. So Jesus ultimately died. And through the Holy Spirit, rent the veil of the temple to say, we're not playing playing it that way anymore. I have rent the temple. I have prepared a place. I have made a way for you to come straight to me. By dying on the cross of Calvary. And so by that, what he's ultimately saying is, I want you to be with me always. I want you to be with me in your morning cup of coffee. God knows I need him during my morning cup of coffee, right? I want you to to be with me when you're in traffic. I want you to be with me when you're at work. I want you to be with me when you're in that meeting and you're getting chewed up and spit out. I want you to be in that situation when people are talking about you behind your back. I want you to be with me, amen, when things aren't good at home. I want you to be with me where the ends don't meet and we don't have the money. I want you to be with me when who should be there for you isn't there for you. I want you to be with me when you're excluded. I want you to be with me when, when people revile and persecute you. I want you to be with me always is what Jesus is saying. But because of our flesh, we desire the reflection and we desire the encouragement and we desire the things of life, the emotions of this life, the circumstances and the situations of this life. And when we don't get what we want, we pout, we get angry, we get mad, we revile, we talk and we persecute instead of being one with Jesus. You listening? Huh? Huh? We become absolutely the opposite of what we're supposed to be because we're caught up in the things and not caught up in Jesus. Amen? And it is why we are drawn by the spirit of truth. It is why we are drawn by the spirit. You know, I can't save you. I can kneel at this altar and pray with you every service, and I will. And I will. But I can't save you. You get saved by the, the moving of the Holy Spirit, finding you in a place, a place of, of real ism, a place of understanding that I have fallen short. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have I have brought myself into his presence less than than where I need to be. And the Holy Spirit moves over you in that place of uh, in that place of truth. And then that place of spirit, and it draws you. Amen? So you can't get saved by emotion. You can't get saved by the preacher, no matter how good or how bad he is. Amen? You can't get saved by the the perfect worship performance, and you can't get saved by these things. All of these things should be pointing you to a holy God who can and will save you by the drawing of his spirit. Amen. And it'll bring you to a place of forgiveness. It will bring you to a place where you have to choose stuff or Him. Where you have to choose the world or Him. Where you have to choose things or Him. Where you have to choose what you want or Him. Amen. Most of us want what we want so bad that we can't even see the possibility that God's got something better for us, right? And so we struggle. We hurt ourselves. We create more problems in our life because we pursue what we want rather than what God has, amen? And at the very best, it at least indebts us to whatever it was we wanted, Right? God wants us with him. He wants us with him. He wants us in him. He wants us relying on him. He wants us to come to a place where he is our all in all. Don't, don't misunderstand. He knows you got to raise your kids. He knows you got to go to work. He knows you, you got to pay the bills. He knows all of these things. He's, he's not saying, come to me and I'll take all those things away from you. But he's saying, come to me and I will make that path straight. I will make that path straight. I will make the ends meet. I will make the things work. I will bless your children through you who blesses me. Amen? You want your kids to be strong in the faith? Amen? Quit living like crap in front of them. Bring yourself to him, live one with him, and he will begin to not only empower you, but empower them through you. That's his word. It's why he gives it to us like that. Not to be mean and hateful, but to say, I got more than you can imagine. And I will pour it out in you. But you gotta be one with me. You gotta come to me. Starts at our forgiveness. It starts at our realizing we have to come to him because he is all we need. Amen. He shall supply all of my need. If you go to the original translations, modern translations have needs. Right? Because we've made it common. Right? You go back to the original. It says he shall supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. What's our need? Oh, come on. I just give you that intro and you don't know. Huh? It's him. It is him. That's our need. Amen. He has everything else. He has the answers. He has the direction. He has the way to point us to where we need to go. He he has how we raise our kids in difficult times, and difficult circumstances. He has everything we need. All we need is him because he's got all the answers. So why wouldn't we live with him? Why wouldn't we commune with him? Why wouldn't we be constantly entangled with him and who he is and what he wants for our life? Why do we often choose So much less. Because of the power of the flesh. Because of the power of the flesh. Paul said it like this I have learned. I have learned to to persecute. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I have learned to persecute what I want. I have learned to turn away what I want. Amen? And choose what I don't want. And later he tells us that Dad going at I do the things that I don't want to do, and I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I do want to do. Realizing his own weakness, realizing his own fault, saying a few verses before that God has everything for me, but yet my flesh pulls me away from those things. Paul later, after spiritual maturity, Paul later says, I have learned to abase, and I've learned to abound. As long as I walk in the presence, amen, of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What does he say? He says, I accept whatever he gives me. If he gives me a lot, hallelujah, praise his name. If he gives me little, hallelujah, praise his name. Amen. Why? Because I'm, I'm walking one with him. I'm living one with him. These things don't control me anymore. These thoughts don't control me anymore. These things people say don't control me anymore. These things people do don't control me anymore. Because I'm walking with Jesus. Amen. David, we're going to jump to Psalm 131 this morning. We were in 130 last week talking about forgiveness, the importance of our forgiveness. And this morning in in one thirty one, it's only three verses, and you're thinking, "Oh yes, we're we're, we're going to be home early. We're going to beat the traffic in Winfield and everything else." It's only three verses. Y'all forgot who's preaching, right? If y'all even thinking that, you forgot who's preaching, but. Now, hopefully we'll be okay with all that. But um, this morning in, in Psalm 131, this is David. Last week we heard from Hezekiah, who was believed to be Hezekiah. And we talked about the things that Hezekiah did when he turned back to God and he turned the nation of Israel back to God, part of the forgiveness we were talking about. David says this in, in verse 1. He says, Lord, he's talking to God. He's talking to God. He's putting himself at the feet of Jesus. Y'all remember Martha and Mary? Martha was encumbered by everything. Consumed by everything. Lost sight of Jesus because of everything else. Right? But what did Jesus say about Mary who sat at her feet while Martha was doing all the work? He said, she has found the good thing. She has found the good thing. David found the good thing. Everybody forgot about David. Everybody excluded David. We're going to get to that a little bit more in a minute and everything else. But in his exclusion, he found God. In his time on the hill with a whole bunch of smelly sheep, David had no one to talk to, no one to turn to, no one to devote himself to other than God. And it ultimately made him king. See the progression? God's got more than you can realize. God's got more than you could figure it out. Much of us get surrounded by a whole bunch of sheep and get forgotten about there out on the hillside. What do we do? We put on the big pouty face well, I don't know why so-and-so gets to do this or so-and-so gets to do that. And I'm just down here with the sheep and everything else and I just pooped on my foot and it was just, life just sucks. Life is bad and I'm all, woe is me. Right? Guilty. Huh? Who's there? Who's there, right? Guilty. Huh? Where whiny meets most of the time. Right? Blaming everybody else except herself, David Took that moment. David took that opportunity and he found God. And what he in what most of us would 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 figure out to be a, a cause for our depression, a cause for a, a cause for our anxiety, a cause for all of this and that and the other, right? Because we didn't get what we wanted, we didn't get who we wanted, we didn't get the recognition we wanted, we didn't get all of the stuff we wanted. What 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 happens? We get we get we get circled up in all that and we never once talk to God we never once find God we never once embrace God we never once hear from God amen because we're too busy complaining about being out here with the sheep and how much it stinks and how bad it is and how dumb they are and all the extra work we got to do with them amen and so there ain't no God in us there ain't no God around us David did it different than we do David did it different than we do. What did he do? He found his time. He did his work. He put his work in. He put his time in. He did the things he was supposed to do. He took care of the sheep. He took care of the sheep good. Amen? And then once the sheep were taken care of, he started talking to Jesus. He started talking to God. He started sharing his heart with God. He, started, he, he allowed God to begin to mold him. He began to, to allow God to begin to shape him. He, he began to allow God to begin to show him that God reigns over all of this and God holds all of the opportunity and God holds all of the power and God holds all of the glory and God holds all of the things in his hand. Not man, not your next door neighbor, not your boss. Not anybody else. Who holds it all? God holds it all. It all belongs to him. We're just going the wrong direction trying to get there. David chose God. Right? The Bible later teaches us that David was a man after God's own heart. We often say that's because he was repentant of his sins and that he was, and God is surely moved by that. But I think it has a lot to do with what happened on those lonely hillsides when it was just David and God. And God chose or David chose God over all of the things he could have been thinking about, talking about, whining about, and suffering through. He chose God. David says this in one thirty-one, Lord, my heart is not haughty. nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. We could unpack that verse for the next week. Y'all right, I told you, it was just because it was three, chapter, three verses, it wasn't gonna be quick. Amen. We, we could unpack that verse in, in, a, in a week of meetings. Amen. But ultimately what David is saying to me and what David is saying to you and more importantly what David is saying to God is I am not putting myself where you are. I am not lifting myself up to be something I'm not. I'm not choosing myself to be greater than my master. I am not choosing to pursue the things that I want rather than the things that you want. I'm choosing to be a servant. I'm choosing to be a shepherd. I'm choosing to be faithful. I am choosing to love you, God, and to expect nothing from you, God, but to devote myself to you wholly and completely and rely on you for what's next. Plain and simple. My heart is not haughty. You ever get hot? You ever get haughty? You ever get all up in that? Huh? I used to. I did. I used to. And it led me to a lot of rebellion. Rebellion not only with God, rebellion with people, rebellion with myself. Rebellion from truth, amen. And the minute truth starts getting laid down to me, man, I'd get angry. I'd get walk away. I'd find everything to consume myself in, in it, other than than what God was doing. David said, "Not me." David said, "Not me. I'm going to consume myself in the Lord. I'm not going to consume myself." in social media. I'm not going to consume myself in in, in the news. I'm not going to consume myself in, in what the next door neighbor's doing or saying or thinking about me. I'm going to consume myself in God. God Almighty. I refuse to be haughty. I refuse to be all up in that. I refuse to be all up in me. Amen. It's ultimately what David was saying here. I refuse to be all up in me. Refuse for my eyes to be lofty. To think of myself to be something when I'm nothing. To try and prove myself to be something when I'm nothing. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters. You know, I learned a long time ago that there are things I can't control. There are things I can't fix. There are things I don't have the answers to. But I know who does. I know who does. And I'm willing to submit to him for that leadership. Amen? How dumb is it for us not to know how to fix something, but try to fix it? Amen? How many of you don't have a clue how to fix a lawnmower? Clearly by the condition of mine, I don't either. Okay? So everyone, raise your hands back. Who don't, who don't know how to fix a lawnmower? Don't know how to fix a lawnmower. Okay, I got two, maybe three up at my place. I want y'all to come and try and fix. Y'all who know what you're doing, stay put, because I don't want you. Amen? How dumb is that? Huh? That'd be pretty dumb, right? I'm going to be buying a whole lot of lawnmowers, because between me and you that raised your hand, we're going to mess it all up. Right? We're going to mess it all up. Right? What about your life? How many of you doing that with your life? How many of you doing that with your salvation? How many of you putting yourself in a place where I'm seeking all the wrong answers and I'm doing all the wrong things and I'm thinking all of the wrong stuff and I'm going to all the wrong places to try and fix what's broken in me? Amen? David said, I'm not going to do it. David said, I'm not going to let my heart and I'm not going to let my eyes and I'm not going to let my thoughts go there. I'm going to go to the one who can fix me. I'm going to go to the one who can make my path straight. I'm going to go to the one who can fix this thing with glory and holy and anointing and power that I can't fathom. I'm going to go to him. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to trust him. Because this matter is too big for me. This matter is bigger than I am. And I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. So I'm going to devote myself to the one who has every answer. I'm going to devote myself to the one who who knows exactly what I need and when and where I need it. That's where David's heart is, right here. Surely, verse 2, surely I have behaved and quieted myself. I'm going to make my way around and look at all of you. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself he doesn't need my much speaking he doesn't need me talking about what i don't know pretending i do know he doesn't he doesn't need my advice well, God, here's my PowerPoint on this, and I think you'll see how it benefits you if you choose to see things the way I see things. Hmm. Now, David quieted himself. He understood the elegance and the prominence and the holiness of an almighty God, and he chose to be quiet, to be still, and let God do all that needed to be done. Amen. As a child that is weaned off his mother, my soul is even weaned, is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Think about David on the hillside. Putting himself in this place. A place where he was subject only to God. A place where he was fully subject to God. Now, I don't know the time period. I didn't research or put the time in to, to understand exactly when this happened chronologically to when, when David was anointed king. But imagine if David's heart was turned this way. Imagine if David's thoughts were focused on God in this manner while Samuel was down there looking at the brothers, saying, Hmm, who's going to be king? God, show me who's going to be king. Is it him? Is it him? Is it is it this guy? Man, he looks good. He looks good. He's big. He's bold. He's strong. No, not him. What about this one? Looks good, man. All the ladies are going to love him. Hmm? Right? David, in his exclusion, found his holy inclusion. You with me? Sometimes when we are separated from the things of this life, it is God doing us a favor. It is God moving in us and around us and over us in a manner that says, you are mine and I'm getting the garbage out. And so we need to quit whining about it. Amen? And we need to allow God to begin to start moving in us and working in us in a manner and a way that he intends. Because if we're just focused on the sheep, if we're just focused on all the sheep dung, if we're just, if we're just focused on how they stink, if we're just focused on how many rocks i got to lift and stack today, if we're just focused on how many, how, how many times I've got to walk them through the valley and not out of the valley because they're not smart enough to know where to go and eat if we're just focused on the toil and the the tribulation and the the frustration of the day-to-day and we're not focused on a holy God who's leading us to something through it, we'll never be king. We'll never be king. And God will pass over us just like he passed over our brothers. We'll struggle, we'll fight, we'll scrape, and we'll continue to find ourselves falling short. Because we never became one with him and we never came, became dependent on all that he is. It's not where David's head was. That's not where David's mind was. Amen? And so while God is speaking to the prophet about who's going to be king and, and he's looking at all these great young boys of stature who surely by the world standard fit the bill. Their resume is perfect. God... None were good enough. None were good enough. Why? Because their hearts were turned to everything other than what they needed to be turned to. Their hearts and their minds were focused on everything other than what they needed to be focused on. And God simply said, is is this all? Think about that. Do you want to be standing in a number that when God surveys it, when God looks over it, when God examines it, when God looks at it, He just kind of like, is this all you got? Hmm? Of course, God knew. God knew the minute he sent the prophet there. Amen? But the, the sad thing is, Dad didn't know. Dad didn't know what he had out in the field. Dad didn't know who his son really was. Why? Because dad was focused on everything else. Dad was focused on all the vanity and all the glory and all the, all the stuff of this life. God was, was focused on who this is and who this son's going to be, how good he looks, where he stands in the army. You even see that at the moment of David and Goliath, right? When he, when he tells the little stinky shepherd boy to take all these things. Down to the battlefield and feed your brothers. My boys I'm proud of. Go feed them. Go take care of them. Go, go set them up because they're going to be something one day. Hey Amen. Can't you see? Can't you see Huh? how proud Dad was? When David got there, where were, the, where were these awesome boys at? They were hiding under their cots. They were hiding under their cots. A <laughs> the big old giant. Right? But the little shepherd boy who was full of who? Hmm? That little old shepherd boy that was full of what? That little old shepherd boy who was spending time where? Huh? He walked down there and he was moved. He was moved. Amen. He wasn't concerned about Saul. He wasn't concerned about Saul's daughter. It never even crossed his mind. He didn't need the armor. He didn't need the sword. But what he cared about is the God that he loved. The God that consumed his life. The God that had a hold of everything he was. That God was being defiled. That God was being cast aside. And that God was being ignored by the very armies of Israel. And David said, not today. And he picked up his rocks and his sling and he walked onto that battlefield and he called Goliath the dog that he was. And he cast that stone and knocked him down and cut off his head. Put his sling back in his pocket, turned around and went back to the sheep. Because that's where God was. Hmm? Let me ask you a few questions. Number one, how many of us would have shown up at the battlefield that day and been like, I'm going back home? Huh? Yeah, bopper's on us back here. He's raising his hand. huh? How many of us, how many of us would have shown up and been like, I can't do this. I'm not able. You see, David knew he wasn't able too. That's why he was one with God. That's why I was one with him. You see, there was a power. There was a glory. There was an anointing in and over David that went beyond rationale. Right? Anybody with logical sense. I've been in the Marines. I've learned how to devise battle plans and all of this and that and the other. And I'm going to guarantee you, any of my superiors would have looked at this battle situation, would have been like, yep, nope, we're scrapping that. There's no way we win that. There's no way we accomplish that. Amen? And so many times we read that scripture and we're like, why did, why did Saul even let that happen? That, that There was no sense in letting that happen. And, and we can argue, maybe Saul, saw, maybe Saul some, saw something. Maybe Saul felt something. Maybe God moved on to Saul. Maybe, maybe Saul was just sitting there saying, well, yeah, if it's so, I can blame the shepherd boy and that whole family. Amen? And the blame's not on me. Amen? maybe he saw that as his scapegoat. Amen, because he sure as heck wasn't getting anything else from the mighty men of valor. Hmm. Amen. Don't don't get up and don't don't get up and thump your chest with me, Amen, if you're not if you're not if you're not spending the appropriate time on the shepherd's heel, doing shepherd things, talking shepherd talk, thinking shepherd thoughts. Amen. Because we're 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 only as, as valorous and, and we're only as mighty and we're only as golden in the kingdom of God as the time we spend on our knees and the time we spend in subjection to the authority of God's word over our life. Amen. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I hold myself to a very high standard where I was, Annie and I were joking yesterday, Chris, I don't know when it was, it was several, several years ago, probably not long after they first came to the church. And I got up here and I botched it one Sunday morning. I hadn't just like I do every Sunday. i got my outline memorized. I've got all of my study notes read through many, 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 many times. Almost to the point that I've got to memorized and everything else. And I get up here and allow God to do the rest. And one Sunday morning, I blew it. And Chris, being the, the awesome, gentle guy that he is, comes over, puts his arm around me, pats me on the shoulder and everything else. He says, good job today, man. And everything else. And in, in his way, was trying to encourage me. And I know that. He was trying to encourage me. I looked at him. I said, no, it wasn't. That was garbage. And he, he kind of looks at me and everything else And said that was pure garbage And I said but I guarantee it won't happen next week Amen Not that I didn't do everything that I had always done Or what this and that and the other was So I'm not I can't even really put my finger on why it didn't go well Amen But guess who spent more time on the shepherd's hill that next week Hm? Guess who took more walks down over the hill And got on my knees Huh In prayer that week Amen. Because I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to get be that guy with with haughty thoughts and lofty eyes and get up here because I think I'm something I want to get up here because I want to talk about a holy God who will move and change your lives and move you into the pinnacle of what he designed you to be. Amen. I don't get up here for me. I get up here for you. So that you can grab hold of this God that will move you, and this God that will change you, and this God that will use you in ways you can't fathom. Amen. David took down the giant, but David also was anointed king. The prophet could have could have listened to himself, could have listened to Dad. And been like, surely, surely this one looks the part, talks the part, resume's perfect. I'm just going to anoint this one, God. I'm sure you'll bless it. Right? Not how we treat him sometimes. That, that's haughty and lofty, friend. Amen. But Samuel was obedient. And he looked at Jesse and he's like, is there not more? Because this, this clearly isn't the case. Imagine Jesse in that moment. What are you talking about? All of these boys. Look like kings. I've put everything I've got into them. Amen? Because Jesse don't make kings. God does. Y'all didn't hear me? Huh? Jesse don't make kings. God does. I don't make kings. God does. You don't make kings. God does. Amen? Amen? God wasn't looking for a mighty man of valor, but God was looking for someone who was devoted. God was looking for someone who was in constant subjection and devotion to who God was, not who David was. A man after God's own heart. And if you read through these Psalms, if you read through these decrees, and if you read through the depth of of David's cries out to God about how David saw himself for what he was and saw God for everything that he was and was willing to accept whatever was next as long as God was in it. We can then see how David went from shepherd to king. And the problem is, most of us aren't willing to be shepherd, so we will never be king. How's that? One, two, three. Yeah. Most of us will never be shepherd, so God will never make us king. Most of us aren't thankful for what's on our table today, so there's not going to be more on our table tomorrow. Most of us aren't thankful for the job that we have and do it as unto the Lord today, so we will never have a better job tomorrow. Most of us aren't thankful and good stewards of the cars that we have, so we will never have a better car tomorrow. We'll go so far in debt to make sure that we do, we'll never dig out. Amen? And I could could list all day. I could list all day. You see, David was okay being a shepherd as long as he was with God. As long as God was speaking to him, as long as God was moving in him, as long as God was enriching who he was. Those times out out in the field, those times all by himself, those times alone where he had no one but God, David was being enriched with the truth and the spirit that comes from glory, not from the garbage that comes from this life. Enriched with the things of God. Do we desire that? Do we pursue that? Hey Amen. I'm saying we. Amen. I'm right there with you, right? I got my nights, huh? Man, I'd really like to really like to watch NCIS tonight. Man, we're so close to finishing all eighteen seasons. Yeah, yeah. God, I hear you. We need to spend time right there, but man. You know, they're after this bad guy and this this terrorist, and I think I think I know who it is, and I think I know how they're going to be. Okay, okay, I'm 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 on my way. I'm 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 going to go turn the computer on and get my notebooks out and, and get my Bibles and and, and we're going to do our thing. Hmm. And, and, and and you know, in in CIS is insignificant, but what do, what do we put in front of him? What do we choose before him? What, what do we lift our lofty eyes to and our haughty spirits and, and attitudes to instead of choosing a holy God? Amen. The reality, the reality for me and the reality for you is God made us all to be kings and queens. Amen. Amen. All of us, not one, not me and, and not you, but me and you. He made us all to be king and queens that straighten each other's crowns and lift up his name in unison and in glory. And if you think you're going to go to a heaven that is anything but that, amen, you're on the wrong train. Because heaven ain't going to be about you. It's not. So why are we making it about us now? Why are we making it about us here? And honey, you know I love you. You know I joke with you. You know, you know I'm as real as as they can be and I don't puff myself up up here, right? I get in the trenches with you and I I play ball with you and I do all the things with you and everything else. I'm as I I try my best to be as real as they come and and never be fake. But man, I I, I want everything God has for me. Right? And because of that, I got to persecute things about me, things that are in me, haughty thoughts and lofty eyes. I, I, I got to put that aside sometimes and choose him, right? Sometimes things I think are buried and gone, that God has squashed, amen, they out of nowhere, right? It's like Satan's like, man, I'm not winning everywhere else, so I'm going to go back 20 years and dig this thing up and... Throw it in his head, right? And it used to be, man, TJ, there used to be those moments where being like, whoa, God, wow, how are we here again? How is this happening again? Everything else like that. Everything, and I'm, and I'm, I'm being honest with you. I ain't being haughty or lofty, but I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of times Satan plays that game with me, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not even a factor anymore. That's not even a factor. We're not even playing there. I'm on such a different level than that right now. You're going to have to try better. You're going to have to try harder. Harder, because that has no hold on me. Amen? I want you there. I want you that confident. I want you that spiritually cocky. Not fleshly cocky. Amen? I'll slap that out of you. Amen? But I want you that spiritually cocky that you can talk to Satan in that manner and say to him, no, 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 no. I am on a much higher level than that because of the glory and the power and the anointing of God that is in me. Amen? I believe in it. I believe in that spirit, and I believe in that power, and I believe in that glory. And I want you to believe it too. I want you to believe it too, and I want you to walk in it too. And I I literally am not kidding when I tell you, and I talk about this being a house of miracles, that I want the spirits and the demons in people, when they walk across this parking lot, I want them to tremble. Because I want them to know that people are getting ready to walk in a door where the holiness and the power and the glory of God is going to change their lives. Amen. And we're not going to accomplish that haughty. And we're not going to accomplish that lofty. We're going to accomplish that in the field. We're going to accomplish that in subjection to a holy God moving in our lives. And because of our exclusion from the things of this world and the stuff of this life, He is going to anoint us and empower us with something that's not of this world. And that will change those that come in contact with us. Amen. And it's time, church. It's time we step into it. The days are dark and they're going to get darker. Amen. I'd love, to t- I'd love to stand up here and tell you everything's going to be all pizza keen in a couple weeks. Don't worry about it. Amen. But this word doesn't promise us that. What the word promises us, though, is a God that will be with us every step of the way. Amen. Every step of the way. Last week, we talked about forgiveness. This morning, I'm asking you to be a David and trust a holy God. Forgiveness to trust. Trust him.